Welcome to the Life's Hard Succeed Anyway podcast, where you will hear transformational stories, positive encouragement, and practical strategies to help you grow your mindset, reach your potential, live your dreams, and experience a purpose-driven, impact-filled life. Here's your host, Alan Blaine. Okay, this is Alan Blaine, and I am excited to bring our special guest today, Aaron Walker. Aaron's mission is to help men transform their lives His leading core value, Relationships Matter Most, serves as the compass to uncover what they truly want in life and their goals to achieve success and significance on their journey. Serving his community for more than 43 years as an entrepreneur of multiple businesses has taught him to have no excuses, make it amazing, and that everything is figureoutable. I love that, Aaron, figureoutable. After being in a mastermind himself for many years, in 2013, Aaron founded the Iron Sharpens Iron Mastermind, a brotherhood of men focusing on developing the whole man, growing themselves, their businesses, relationships, and faith. Hundreds of men's businesses and families have and continue to experience generational change as a result. Aaron enjoys giving back through his own experiences in the Mastermind Playbook a program for helping others develop and build their mastermind. And in his book, which I've thoroughly enjoyed reading, View from the Top. Aaron lives in Nashville, Tennessee with his wife, Robin, of 42 years. He has two amazing daughters and five beautiful grandchildren. Aaron, welcome to the Life's Hard Succeed Anyway podcast. Thanks a lot, man, for having me. I should erase all that bio except that last sentence, my five amazing grandkids. That's why I get up every day. That probably should be the only thing I put in there. Man, how are you being? You know the weather is good here in Nashville as well. It is amazing this fall. Absolutely loving it. And again, I just want to thank you for taking your time, Aaron, to come on here and share with our listeners a little bit more of your story and some of the lessons learned and a lot of the wisdom that you have along the way. So if you don't mind, I mean, I gave a little overview of who you are, but could you just expound upon that and just share a little more about who you are and kind of where you got to where you're at? Well, I appreciate that. I'll only take a moment. A native Nashvilleian, Alan, I've been here 62 years now. Started our first business when I was 18. I was fortunate enough to sell it to a Fortune 500 when I was 27. God really did an amazing work in our lives and our business at that time. It afforded me other opportunities to start other ventures, and we did. About 12 years ago, I retired for the third and final time. Robin said, I've retired more than the law allows, but I did. I retired and hung it up for good, I thought, until a couple of my buddies that are started a mastermind that I've been involved in for decades. They said, Hey man, you should really consider coaching. And Alan, I didn't want any part of that. I was like, no, man, I've been working since I was eight years old. I was 50 at the time. And I said, I think I'm good. I think I'm going to call it good. And one of my buddies called me out on it. He said, listen, man, you've owned over a dozen companies at the time. He said, you and Rob have been married over 30 years at the time. And he said, I think you need to train and teach other people how to do the same. And so Christian by faith, we pray about everything. So I did and really felt an urging to start coaching. So Dave Ramsey invited me to Entree Leadership Mastery. He said, I'll gift it to you if you'll just come and check it out, see if you like it. I did. And a couple of guys there that I met hired me as their coach. I started doing a few podcast interviews, sharing our story. 
And I turn around a few times and look up. Here we are today, 150 men. We're in five different countries around the world. And that's a trajectory we're going. Uh, we're adding groups pretty regularly to our mastermind. So, yeah, I'm helping ordinary men become extraordinary in everything that they do and uh, probably having more fun today than I've ever had in my career. Wow. Quite some accolades. And I want to come back to the mastermind. And sure. obviously, we want to get to some of the challenge, one or more, however many you choose to share of the challenges you've been through in life. And we'll get to that here shortly. But I heard you say, and I, and I read it in your book, by the way, this book, if our listeners have not read it yet, highly recommend View from the Top by Aaron Walker, almost through it and loving every minute of it. You said you sold your first company. First of all, you started it at age 18, which is incredible. And then sold it, what, about 10, 9, 10 years later at age yeah. 27 to a Fortune 500 company. And you've had many other successes since then. But what do you attribute that success in such a relatively short period of time to? I've got to go back and give you a little bit more background. So growing up in Nashville, my dad was a man of character and integrity, but he was a terrible business person. Like we were broker than a convict. We didn't have any money. We lived in a very small house. My mom and dad are great people, but my dad wanted to hunt and fish. He didn't care anything about working. And when I was probably, I'm guessing, 10 years old, I watched my dad sweep the snow off of a roof so that he could tear the roof off and re-roof it during the winter so that he could buy us food. And it dawned on me that day when I saw him do that, I'm not sure what I want to do professionally, but I know for certain what I don't want to do. And I didn't want to work that hard physically. And I thought, you know, there's got to be a different way. And then when I was 13, my dad invited me for the summer to help him remodel a beauty shop, turn it into a pawn shop. I'd never even heard of a pawn shop. I didn't even know what a pawn shop was, but I said, hey, if I can make some money, I'm all in. So we went, I loved it, helped my dad through the summer. And at the end of it, I asked the owner, I said, hey, when you get open, I just live a couple of miles down the road. I'd like to work here. He said, what would you do? And I said, what do you need done? And he said, well, we're going to need the parking lot swept and the showcases cleaned and the floors vacuumed and everything dusted. I said, sign me up. And he said, you're hired. And so at $1.70 an hour, when I was 13 years old, I started working at a local pawn shop. When I was 15, I decided that I wanted to do that professionally. And people were like, 15, are you serious? Yeah, because I love the people. And because relationships matter most to me, the people were intriguing. There was something different all the time. And so I went to summer school and night school for about 18 months. I was able to graduate at the beginning of my junior year in high school. And I met a couple of guys that owned the 21st largest insurance agency in the country at the time. And they were buying diamonds and gold from me to hedge against inflation. And I went to them one day, I was just turning 18 years old. And I said, would it be possible if I met with you gentlemen in your office? And they said, yeah, sure. So they thought I wanted to sell them something. So I went to their office and I said, uh, why don't we take your money and my experience and open a pawn shop? And they started laughing, like literally started laughing. And they said, how old are you? And I said, I'm 18. He said, well, first of all, it's incredible that you're coming wanting to partner with us at 18 years old. And I said, well, you know, I've been there since I was 13, graduated early from school. I've decided this is what I want to do professionally. And so they checked on me in the community, found like I was a pretty good guy and did pretty good in school. 
And they agreed to do it. They said, we're going to do it. And so went to the bank, signed a 10-year loan, $150,000 is what it cost, you know, in the late 70s. And that was a lot of money then, Alan, quite honestly. They handed me a checkbook, had $150,000 in it, and they said, go open it. And so got engaged to be married to a girl that was a year behind me. I waited on her to get out of school. We got married two weeks after she graduated and I sat her down at the kitchen table and I said, listen, Robin, we've had this store now for a year. Now we're married and we can't mess this up because Robin came from a poor environment than I did. If you can imagine seven children and her family. And so I said, what we're going to do is every dollar that we make, we're going to pay it on this loan and we're going to pay this 10 year loan off as fast as we can. And we paid it off in 36 months. So we had a paid for pawn shop at 21, 22 years old. And I said, you know, I think I can do it again. And I did a number of times. And then when I was 27, we had bought a piece of commercial property, tore the building down, built a new 10,000 square foot pawn shop and Cash America, a company in Fort Worth, Texas approached me and wanted to buy me. And I said, I don't want to sell. I said, I'm 27 years old. I said, what would I do? And they said, we don't care what you do. <laughs> We want to buy your pawn shop. I said, no, I'm not for sale. And they left and they came back in about a month. And uh, they said, Mr. Walker, we're a Fortune 500 company. We have 300 stores now. We're going to be in Nashville. You've got the nicest stores in Nashville. We want to be here. Well, all that was Greek to me, Alan. Like I didn't know anything about that world. And so I said, I'm not for sale. I turned them away again. And then the third time, about 90 days later, they came back and there were two of them. And one of them was the chief financial officer and the other one was the president of the company. And they said, Mr. Walker, we're coming to Nashville. We want your stores. And I said, third and final time, I'm not selling. And he said, hypothetically, if you were going to sell, is there a number that you would be happy with? And I thought, well, this is my opportunity to get rid of them. And I didn't even know what I was doing. I didn't know anything about a multiple times earning or EBITDA. I didn't know anything about any of that stuff. And I just thought of a number that it sounded pretty good. And I said, you know, I'd sell it for this. And he said, we'll take it. And I sat there and I said, well, I was trying to back up. And I said, we just bought this building. I just built that other building. And he said, uh, you can keep your buildings. We just want the business. I said, you're going to pay me that for the business, not including the buildings. And he said, yeah. So I called my banker. My banker came down and he goes, hey, Aaron, he said, you were broke when you were a kid. This is an opportunity to kind of give you a lift. And I think you need to do it. So 90 days later, I woke up on a Monday morning. We had sold out and that's where it started. Wow. I can't imagine. You know, so many people have big dreams of retiring at 50. Maybe others are more aggressive and have dreams of retiring at 40, maybe some even at 30, but 27 and time doesn't probably allow for us to go into what I know from reading your book of what that retirement at age 27 was like. But needless to say, you came out of quote unquote retirement and have built many other successful businesses. Again, your Iron Sharpens Iron Mastermind to be one of the latest ones in recent years. But during all those years, and I think I know the answer to this question, but what were one or more of the bigger challenges that you face, even in the midst of all the success that you were having and continue to have, Aaron? Let's dive in just a little deeper, because I think there's a part of this story that'll be beneficial to your audience. And that's the mindset that you've got to have 
regardless of your financial abilities. And we didn't have anything. See, I had to give up two thirds of the business in the beginning in order to have a third. So I put in sweat equity and I was willing to grind it out for a number of years, uh, putting in the sweat equity rather than the capital. And a lot of people don't think open-minded enough to look at it from a different perspective. They think, well, I don't have the money, so I can't go into business. You know, there's arrangements that you can do in order to position yourself. When I was a child, my mom had a saying, it was can't, couldn't do it, and could, did it all. And I didn't like that saying when I was a child. It kind of irritated me a little bit. But as I got older, her breathing that into me and saying that over me over and over built this self-esteem because she wouldn't allow us to say the word can't. She said, you might not be able to do it, but you're going to try. And so I would try. And sometimes I was successful. Sometimes I wasn't. But she made us try. She instilled that grit and that determination and that perseverance. And she said, no, just means no today. Doesn't mean no tomorrow. You need to keep on, keeping on, keeping on. So I've adopted that as my life mantra. And that's that if you have a mindset and you really want to do something, you're qualified, you're capable. It may not look exactly like you want initially, but you've got to be willing to delay gratification for the greater good later. And Robin and I were willing to live below our means, pay down the debt, and we accomplished something that a Fortune 500 wanted. Now, I need to answer your question. You said, what were some of the challenges that I was confronted with? First and foremost is something that I dealt with for a long time. My good friend, Dan Miller, helped me work through this, but I didn't go to college. And so in my mind, I was thinking, well, no one is going to take me serious. No one's going to give me an opportunity because I don't have a formal education. Later in life, I was talking to a few of my buddies that are adjunct professors at local colleges here. And I said, man, do you think I should go back to college? And they said, the only reason you should go back to college is to teach. You don't need a document to prove that you're capable and qualified and competent to do something. So I want to encourage those today, just because you don't have a formal degree doesn't mean you can't have great success. But it was a personal upper limit challenge for me that it took me years to really work through. Another one was is that we didn't come from the right side of the tracks, right? We were in an environment when I was a kid. We were very poor. We lived in a 600 square foot house with six people living in it. And oftentimes we'll convince ourselves, hey, I can't do that. I don't have the opportunities that a lot of people have today. And it's like, hey, you've got to make your opportunities. For those that are just listening and they can't see, you've got a sign on your wall behind you that says you can't deposit excuses. Well, see, I firmly believe in that. Our third core value is no excuses. And I didn't present excuses when I was a young man. I was like, hey, I'm going to figure it out. And you, in the opening comments, commented on my word figure outable. It's actually a word. But everything is figure outable if you really want to do it. There is a way to do it. And oftentimes we use these excuses as though we can't, but I firmly believe you can if you really want to. So work on your mindset and use the can't, couldn't do it and could did it all. And when you do that, you can do anything you want. Absolutely. I love your mindset. And it's obvious to me that that's a huge asset to you has been. And probably, as you said, your mom helped instill that into you at a very young age. And I hope to only do as well with my children. So I really appreciate that. So what I heard you say, Aaron, is a couple of your bigger challenges in life was 
overcoming your limiting beliefs, maybe uh, said one way with a lack of a higher education beyond high school and coming from, and again, I guess limiting beliefs as it related to income or coming from a family with money and what limitations that would place on you succeeding in ways in the future that took capital to, to start. Yeah. And the thing is, is that there's a different way to do it, right? It doesn't look like the conventional way. Go start your business, get the money, borrow it, go into business, be creative in the things that you're going to do. I'll tell you a quick story. There's a family, the H.G. Hill family in Nashville, Tennessee, at one time was the largest property owners in Nashville. And I had bought a location. I tore the existing building down. Halfway through construction, I realized that I didn't have enough space. And I was in a real bind. And so I called the property owner of this building, not knowing who it was at the time, and found out it was H.G. Hill Company. And called him out and I said, hey, I'd like to meet with you. And he came out and I said, I'm in a real bind. Introduced myself. This is the new building I'm building. And this space that you've got next door is 5,000 square feet. I really need that. And I'm interested in making you an offer. And he said, Mr. Walker, he said, we don't sell property. He said, we buy property and we have been for decades, but we don't sell property. Matter of fact, we've never sold a piece of property. And I said, well, there's a first time for everything. And today would be a good day to start. And he just chuckled and he said, hey, is that the only thing I can help you with? And I said, yeah, right now it's the only thing you can help me with. I really want to buy this property. And he turned around, he said, it's not for sale. And he turned around, walked away and got in his car. And a couple of weeks later, I called him back and I said, hey, would you mind running back out? He goes, are we going to talk about the same thing? I said, I've got some creative ideas. Maybe we can come up with something. He came back out. We talked a little bit and he said again, no. And we had a lengthy discussion and I was determined. He started to go back to the car and I said, is there no way? Is there no way we can do this? He said, no, sir. And he hesitated for a moment. And when he hesitated, he turned around. He said, you know, there is one thing that we could do. And I said, okay, I'm in. And he said, we can do a 1031 exchange. And I said, sign me up. I didn't even have a clue, Alan, what a 1031 exchange was, but I was interested in doing it. He explained it to me and went and bought another piece of property and we did an exchange and I got the building. And I'll tell you the story for a couple of reasons. First of all, everything's figure outable. Second of all, never take no as a final answer, right? There's ways to do things, right? It's be persistent. Now you have to do that with diplomacy. You can't go out and be arrogant and condescending. But don't necessarily always just take no. And I've never been one to just take no for an answer. It's like, we've got to figure this out where it's good for both of us. And that's what me and Mr. Caldwell did that day. We figured it out, made the exchange, and we had a very successful business as a result of it. I love it. Figure outable. I'll not forget that word. And I'm glad to know it is a word. I can use it with confidence now, Aaron. Thank you. There you go. I know from your book, you've gone through some other hard things, like the whole process of retiring at 27, as crazy as that might sound to our listeners right now, thinking, what? How hard is that? I would love to be financially set and retire at 27. I know you shared that in your book, the challenge that that was for you, as well as hitting and killing a pedestrian. I'm mentioning these because I want to ask you some questions surrounding them, because I think it's so easy. In fact, I know it's so easy for all of our human natures to think, well, that's great. Aaron can build a business and sell it for whatever you might've sold it for at age 27 and build other businesses and have successful businesses now and successful real estate ventures and who knows what else you've got going on. That's great for Aaron, but Alan, you don't understand my life. 
my challenge, my situation, what I've been through, what I'm going through. I just think that's some limiting beliefs that any of us can slip into at any point in time. So would you mind just sharing a little bit around like a couple of one or both of the challenges I mentioned and what you were dealing with and the thoughts you might've been feeling, even like the voices in your head? Because I think those are some things we can all relate with going through challenges. I don't want to take away from the win. The win was I was able to sell out at 27. And I encourage everyone out there, if you get an opportunity to do that, do that. The challenges that I didn't know was ahead of me was the boredom that came on the heels of that. And so, and a lot of you are saying, yeah, I'd like to be bored for a while. And I, and I give you that like, it's fun for a little while, but I was playing golf every day, you know, and that sounds terrible to some people and other people are very excited about it, but I was playing with guys 65 and 70 years old. And what made it worse, they were beating me. That's really <laughs> what made it worse, Alan, but I'd go fishing and I would hang out. And then after about 18 months, I caught myself sitting on the couch watching Andy Griffith eating potato chips and my buddies were out working. They were building their businesses and I was bored. I was getting in the bed in the middle of the day, not on the bed, taking a nap. I was getting in the bed just before I turned 30. Robin one day woke me up in the middle of the day and she said, set up. And I set up and she goes, this is not what I signed up for. Like you've gained 50 pounds. You're getting in the bed in the middle of the day. You got to do something. And I said, yeah, I don't really know what to do. Here's the problem, Alan. I didn't have a purpose. And see, we forget that aspect of it. We're like, yeah, I was comfortable financially. And, you know, we had a nice house and the stuff and all that kind of stuff. But, man, that doesn't fill the hole and the void that was in my life for not moving the needle, for not having a purpose. And people saying, well, I'd like to live that kind of life. Well, yeah, it's nice to be able to do that. But if you're working every day now to quit, you need to reorient your focus. It is nice to not have to worry about some of those financial concerns. I don't want to take away from that. It is nice. But when your sole focus is on you living a life of leisure, you living a life of comfort, you living a life all about yourself, it becomes all consuming and you become a taker and not a giver. And so I went back to the pawn shop I started with and worked a deal out with the current owner, which was the guy I started working for when I was a child. And we formed a partnership and then we spent the next 10 years building a very successful company. I put resources in. I worked three days a week. He worked the other three days. We had an amazing partnership. Until 2001, August 1st, I was headed to the office. I just left our church. I go to Long Hollow Baptist Church, and David Landreth was the pastor there, and five of us met with David every Wednesday morning. We prayed for our families. We prayed for our business, and we prayed for our church, and we did that for years. And I had left there at 7.30 in the morning. I was headed to the office. I was a mile and a half from my office, and I ran over and killed a pedestrian that was crossing the street to catch a bus. And it was like watching a movie. Everything was in slow motion. Everything slowed down. And I was like, my life is so good. Like, this came out of nowhere. In my book, I title it Blindsided. And I was like, God, is this really happening to me? Like, I, I can't even imagine it. And some of you listening to me today have gone through experiences, maybe not to that degree, but 
things that are happening in your life. And I begin to question everything. It's like, is this really happening? And he lived for three days in the Vanderbilt trauma unit. His name was Enrique. He was 77 years old. He just didn't see me. Well, make a long story short, the stress really got to me. I was feeling fatigued mentally and emotionally. I was exhausted and I sold the business. I went to my partner and I said, Hey, I've been chasing money since I was eight years old. I'm going to take a break. And I took the next five years off. We didn't do anything. We built another house. We traveled, saw psychologists and psychiatrists and people at my church and really had to work through it. Another similar experience, bored again, fatigue, gained 50 pounds again. And Robin goes, Hey, you got to pull yourself up. Your kids need you. You're going to have grandkids and they're going to need you and we need you. And so shortly thereafter, a buddy of mine invited me to join his mastermind group. And if it hadn't been for them, I don't know that I could have worked through that alone because isolation is the enemy of excellence. And if we really want to excel in life, we have to be in community. We have to surround ourselves with other competent, capable people that can give us new insight and perspective. And that's what getting involved in mastermind groups have done for me. And it allowed me to borrow the courage and the strength of other people when I didn't have any. Otherwise, I'd still be curled up in a fetal position, you know, not knowing what to do, getting over the guilt and the shame of going through that process. That was somebody's dad, somebody's husband. I wasn't at fault. He just didn't see me and he ran out in front of me to catch that bus. But working through those difficulties alone is difficult. So if you're dealing with things today, I want to encourage all of you to get into some kind of peer advisory group, get into an accountability group, a mastermind, get people at your local church, get people in your community. We need to be around people that can talk us off the ledge so that they can talk us into a good position. And so, yeah, these are some of the challenges that I was dealing with during those two traumatic experiences. Wow. For somebody that hasn't been through the trauma of being involved in someone else's death, whether it was our fault or not, it is traumatic. I mean, the closest I could sort of relate with that, Aaron, is being a police officer and being involved in an officer-involved shooting where yeah. somebody's life was taken. And again, it was something that somebody else had done wrong. You know, it wasn't me and it wasn't you in that case, driving down the road, you weren't found at fault in any way, but just being a part of it. It's amazing how much it can impact us. So I can, in some small way, at least relate with parts of what you might've been feeling and going through. And you touched on the mastermind group. And I was going to ask, was that Dave Ramsey that invited you into that group? Yes. Who was it? Was yeah, the friend? Dave, Dave Ramsey invited me. Dave started a radio show here in Nashville in the early nineties. And I met Dave at Luby's cafeteria, chamber of commerce breakfast. There were about 20 people there. He was just talking about starting this radio show. And he asked me if I would be one of his sponsors. And I said, no, <laughs> nobody's ever even heard of you. Like, I don't even know who you are myself. And that's great. He said, I'll give you advertising if you'll try me. And I did fell in love with the business, fell in love with Dave as an individual, as a great guy. And we've been friends now 30 years. And I sponsored his show for 21 years. And he invited me to be in that mastermind when he and Dan Miller and Ron Doyle and some of those guys started at Ken Abraham. And we spent a dozen years meeting in Dave's office every Wednesday morning. And 
being vulnerable and transparent and authentic in a group like that radically changed my life. It just allowed me a safe place that I could get encouragement, a place that I could go and be myself and let the veil down and really surround myself with trusted advisors that could help me grow my business. It sounds like that mastermind had a lot of benefits to it, a lot more than just getting you through tough times. There was a lot of added benefits, you know, strategy, I'm sure, and perspective brought to your business and your marriage and your personal life. I know all those things, but specifically relating to the challenge, you touched on this already, but I guess that you joined that mastermind. I was trying to get the timeline. You joined that mastermind or started that mastermind. Just after the accident. So it was a little over 20 years ago. We had been friends about seven years prior to that. I happened to be at the Mercy Me concert at the Curb Center just after the accident. And Dave and Sharon were there setting a few roles in front of us. And then during the break, he asked me to join the group. And I was like, man, God's timing's everything, right? And so hesitantly and reluctantly, I joined and it was the best decision I've ever made. I'd love to dive deeper into that too. Again, maybe if you're willing, you can come back on a later date and we can deep dive. But as we start to wrap this up a little bit here, do you feel that going through these different challenges, I'm curious, how you feel about them? I mean, how do you view them looking in hindsight? That's a hard question to answer. I do think it's made me into the person I am today as far as having a lot of determination and perseverance. It's taught me a lot of valuable life lessons. It's really taught me what's important because what I discovered in that accident was I'd had a measure of success, but no significance. And taking the five-year break showed me that If you're going to help other people's lives accomplish their dreams and their goals, you really are going to be a great friend to somebody. You need to pour back into them. And so that was the significance piece that I was missing. We had the things, but I didn't have the close relationships and the ties that I've got today. So it's really taught me the value of life. It's also taught me the brevity of life. We're one phone call away. We're one trip in the car away from our life changing forever. And we need to really enjoy every day, just like it's your last, because it could be. And we've heard that old adage our whole life, but I've experienced that. And so it's taught me to really appreciate the now and enjoying even this conversation that I'm having with you. Like if I'm thinking about other things that I need to be doing or other places that I need to be going, I'm not fully engaged in our conversation. And so it's really taught me to enjoy the moment, even with my children, my wife, my peers and colleagues. And so surrounding myself with men like Iron Sharpens Iron, the 150 men that are in 15 groups that we now host here, seeing the transformational experience going on in their lives and seeing the challenges that they've been confronted with, it is always refining us. It is always taking us to a deeper level. And we're capable of doing much more than we fully realize. We're capable of going through more traumatic experiences than we give ourselves credit for. And on the other side, there is an opportunity to do things different and do things better. So I don't want to repeat the class, but I'm grateful for the experiences I've had that allows me to appreciate life like I do today. Exactly. And I love too how we can look and see in hindsight how God, as he promises, can make beauty out of ashes and turn something that is inherently by itself bad, good, and teach us lessons along the way. And I sure do appreciate you, even just the few golden nuggets you've had time to share with us today. I know there's many more in your book, and I can't sing its praises enough. 
Let me ask you this. If you could go back in time and give yourself some advice, knowing you were going to walk through some of these challenges in life, what would you tell your younger self? Yeah, I would say invest in relationships faster. I was really consumed with making a living when I was young, and I didn't pay honor to the relationship like I should have. And I think it would have helped me even catapulted my success even faster. I discovered probably 25 years ago that relationships do matter most and our net worth is directly tied to our net work. And so if you want your net worth to increase, your network has to increase and the relationships are paramount, right? It helps you through those difficult times. People are there to help you and encourage you and as you said earlier, it's not if something's going to happen, it's when is it going to happen? How long is it going to last? And you're going to want people you can lean on to go through those things. The thing that I would encourage also is build the relationships before you need them. Because in the times of trials and troubles, it's difficult to build a relationship. So for those that are saying, hey, my life's good, I'm not going through those things, good. You need to be building those relationships now preparing for the time that's going to come where you're going to need more people around you. So number one for me would be build relationships faster. I love it. I love it. Build your art before it rains, right? Yeah. I don't know if it's different or if it's the same, but is there one piece of advice you'd give to somebody who may be listening to this episode right now and they're going through their storm of life? I hear the terminology, I'm afraid all the time. People say, hey, if I venture out and do this, it may fail or I'm afraid it won't turn out exactly like I wanted. I couldn't lay in bed at night and think, would it have worked? Like, I've got to know, I've got to go do it. And so I would just encourage you today to fear missing an opportunity more than you fear failure. And if you develop a mindset of can't, couldn't do it, but could, did it all, and I'm afraid I'm going to miss an opportunity more than I'm afraid of failure, I think it'd be very easy to build a life of success and significance for you as well. Solid gold, Aaron. Thank you. That's a great quote. I love that. That was from your mom, right? Can't, yeah. couldn't do it. Can't, and... couldn't do it. Could, did it all. It's the title to the first chapter in my book, View from the Top also. I love it. Do you have a favorite success quote that you wouldn't mind sharing? Or maybe that's it. Yeah, I think that's it. Uh, yeah, I quote it all the time. And I think that has to be my number one go-to. What would you say one or more things you're just really currently excited right now when you think about the future ahead of you? Yeah, I appreciate that. We're really diving deep. For four years, I decided that I wasn't going to grow Iron Sharpens Iron. And in my quiet time one day, the Lord said, hey, I'll decide when you're through. You just go out there and you keep sharing your story. You keep encouraging other men to grow personally and professionally and spiritually. And so I'm excited to the road to 300. We've said that by the end of 2023, we're going to have 300 men that are really interested in locking arms, having that camaraderie with one another and going forward to develop the lifestyle that they're wanting to live. So if that sounds appealing and interesting to you, go to viewfromthetop.com, fill out an application. You're not committing to anything other than a 40 minute interview with me. Let me get to know you better. Let me understand what your objections are and your objectives. We'll cover both and see if you'd be a good fit for our mastermind. So if you're really serious about getting trusted advisors, Take a peek at viewfromthetop.com. Well, that is exciting. So double in the next little over a year. Yeah, yeah, about 18 months. Yeah, we're going to double. 
Hey, who knows? Aaron, maybe I need to be one of those 150. Now we're down to 149. There we're, we go. We're making progress even <laughs> as we speak. I love it. Okay. Just a couple 30 second quick questions as we wrap this up. What is one habit you would say that has helped you become successful? I didn't place any value on a morning routine when I was in my 20s and 30s. I would get up, man, hit the shower, and I would hit the door breakneck speed. And I've learned that I really need to be a little more patient, cautious. I need to take my time in really deciding what's most important. So my morning routine now for over 20 years has been meditation for the first 20 minutes. I read scripture every day. I listen to praise and worship music. I pray for my family. I pray for my persons that are in the mastermind group. I pray for clients that I'm coaching one-on-one. -on -one. And uh, usually takes an hour, hour and a half of my morning. And then I get about my business. And so for me, the morning routine has got to be one of the things that has centered me and focused me the most. What would you say is one of the best pieces of advice you've ever received? I was at a conference years ago and talked to Jeff Hoffman. Jeff Hoffman is one of the founders of Priceline.com. He's a multi-billionaire. And he told me that 10% of everything that he reads has no interest to him whatsoever. And I'm like, okay, you got to explain that. He said, well, if we're interested in it, we already know something about it. And if we don't know anything about it, it opens up new opportunities. And the irony of this is 90% of his good ideas come out of the 10% reading because, again, it's just offering up a new perspective. And see, the same as masterminds, peer advisory groups, board of directors, the number one asset is the perspective because we only have one filter. We only have one life experience. You can't see it but one way. And when you surround yourself with things that are new, it opens new opportunities. So good. That's a good word. I was just sharing with my baby number six, who's a permitted driver now. And we're talking about the blind spot and why it's important to look twice both ways, because you literally have a blind spot in your eye and you wouldn't know if there's a vehicle in it a few hundred yards away coming at you. If you didn't look twice and it had moved to a new spot in your eye, you don't know what you don't know, essentially. And that's such great wisdom. And I do see that huge value in a mastermind. So I appreciate you bringing that out. And what is the best way that our listeners could, you've shared viewfromthetop.com, yeah. I think it was, but is, there, the is that way. the best way to, yeah. what is yeah, it? Yeah, just go to viewfromthetop.com. All of our social media platforms are located there. My phone number is there. My email address is there. The application to join the mastermind, it's there. Hey, let's just have a conversation and see how we can help you accomplish your goals and dreams. So yeah, feel free to reach out to us. I love it. I love it. Any closing comment you might want to share or a closing word of advice? Yeah, I would just say, don't let anything hold you back. I would say if it's something that you're really interested in doing, develop the mindset that we talked about at the beginning of the interview. This is not a trial run. This is our real life. We're not practicing. This is the real thing. And you want to live your life to its fullest. You want to maximize every opportunity that we have and don't really succumb to any of these upper limit challenges or these false beliefs that we have. We're not qualified and we're not capable. Hey, listen, if I can do it, you can do it. So go out there and live your own view from the top. Aaron, thank you so much. I, I know there's 101 things you could have been doing today, but you took your time out of your valuable day to bring many, many years, decades of wisdom, both on a personal level, as well as on a business perspective. And I just want to say thank you. Thank you. Thank you for coming on the Life's Hard Succeed Anyway podcast today. 
I enjoyed it. Thanks a lot, Alan. We'll see you, buddy. Thank you, sir. If you love this podcast, grab some of Alan's free resources on his website at alanblain.com, spelled A-L-L-A-N-B-L-A-I-N.com. You can also find links to Alan's Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok there in his contact page. Lastly, if you can leave a five-star review for us on your favorite podcast app, that will get these messages out to more people and it will really mean the world to us. Thanks in advance and make it a great day.